We are in Doctrine and Covenants, section 20, and we're doing verses, um, I think we're starting verse 37 till the end today. And the thing that I want to center around, um, for whatever reason, what really stood out to me was these verses on baptism. And just, maybe it's because that's what Joseph um, really had wanted to know, which church was true and which one to be baptized in. It was just a great concern to him to know how he could work out his eternal salvation and which manner of baptism was correct and in which church and who had the right authority. And I just think... Um, this is amazing that this has been such a journey from that first vision. And finally, all of this, this organizing the right church, the priesthood authority, the ordinances, the covenants, the prayers, all of this is finally coming. And it's got to just be incredible to Joseph. And again, as I talked about yesterday, it's so touching um, to read the account of him baptizing his father and just how overwhelming that was to him. And I love this. So very first verse I want to start is in 37. And it says, And again, by way of commandment to the church concerning the manner of baptism. Okay, so here you go. All those who humble themselves before God. So the very first thing I have is that we have to be humble. That we have to, and I really feel that repentance is a key to humility. It is acknowledging our shortcomings and acknowledging we can't do it without God. We're not enough. We never will be enough. And so I love that. Humble yourself before God. So that's the very first thing. Second, and desire to be baptized. You have to have a desire. <laughs> you know, of course, those who are seeking, you have to have a desire. Okay. Third, and come forth with a broken heart and contrite spirit. Okay. I love that because that again, so um, ties into repentance and humility, really coming and acknowledging we can't do it without the savior, that we're nothing without him, that we need him. And so I love that broken heart, contrite spirit. Okay. Fifth. Um, oh, I guess fourth and witness with broken heart and witness before the church, they have truly repented. And so there you go. All of that leads to repentance. And truly, that desire leads to it too, because you have to have the desire to go there. Okay, so that's the fourth thing. Witness you have repented. Fifth, willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ. And I love that because um, I have heard so many stories of missionaries who have gone places and and led the discussions and taught people and people have been baptized, new converts, and they have lost everything. They have lost their jobs. They have lost their family. They have lost traditions. They have lost so many things. So when it says willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, that is a truly significant thing. Are you willing to be persecuted for my name? Are you willing to truly be an example of me and ha lose everything? Put me first. And we've talked about that. Nicodemus, our, you know, you came so close, my friend. What a powerful example to all of us. Are you willing to have him be the first and most important thing in your life and lay everything else on the altar? So that's beautiful. Okay, um, sixth. 
a determination, so determination to serve him to the end. So again, that ties into that, willing to give everything for his namesake, do whatever he asks. Okay, and then seven, and truly manifest by their works, they have received the spirit of re- of Christ unto a remission of their sins and shall be received in baptism into his church. And so I love that, that it should scream from you who you follow, that willingness to take upon him, his name, take upon us his name. It will be manifest by everything we do. We will have accepted his spirit because it says receive the Holy Ghost. We will have done what's necessary to receive it because it is a choice to accept it and walk with him and stay worthy of it. So I love that. And what it really reminded me of is in Mosiah 18, verse 8, when it talks about that covenant of baptism and and they're talking, they're at the waters of Mormon and it's Alma. And he says, and it came to pass that he said to them, behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus were they called. And now, as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light, willing to mourn with those who mourn and comfort those who stand in need of comfort and stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that ye may be in, even to death, that ye may be redeemed of God and be numbered with those of the first resurrection and have eternal life. That's exactly what this was just outlining. And I I just love this doctrine of baptism. I love it. Okay, um, so then if we go through verses 38 through 68, um, really it's the authority, the priesthood authority, and it outlines all of it. Priests, teachers, deacons, elders, all of it. They get the authority to baptize. They get the authority to ordain and call others. They get the authority to do the sacrament, to do confirmations, to give the Holy Ghost, to teach, to watch over, to conduct, to lead. All of that is in those verses. And really what that is, is they get to be his hands on this earth. They get to choose to be vessels, to be instruments in his hands and use his power. And what a significant thing that is. I remember the story Sister Dalton told long ago of being out running. She's a runner and she had fallen or tripped him and broke her leg. And she was laying at the side of the road and a car pulled over and she, a man got out and she said she was in extreme pain and the man got out and said, is there anything I can do? And she said, yes, I've called my family. They're coming their ways away and I could really use a blessing. And the man apologized and left. And I can remember her saying in this talk, don't you ever have that happen to you. Don't you ever be in a situation where you could not perform the with the power that God has given you those blessings for someone in need. And that just struck me so strong. And so I love this outlining what they are given the opportunity to do. But really, if I could sum it up, they get to be God's hands. Okay, so then we come down to verse, um, let's go down to verse, I want to do 71, but I'm looking because I know it's it outlines it all the way to 68. 
Um, oh no, 68. Okay. The duty of members after they are received into baptism. So once you're a member, that goes back to that scripture in Alma that you walk a godly walk. And it says that in 69 and the members shall manifest before the church and before the elders by a godly walk and conversation that they are worthy that there may be works and faith agreeable to the Holy Scriptures, walking in holiness before the Lord. And I love that because I think of what it's written, that conference talk where they had holiness to the Lord on everything, but we still have it on our temples. And so really it's us walking worthy to keep the Holy Ghost is our constant companion. Love that. Okay, go down. It tells us um, in 71, um, that no one can come unless they are the age of accountability. That's huge. That that's a new doctrine. Okay, that that's in these scriptures for other people to know that there is an age of accountability. Love that. Then seventy three. It gives the exact prayer, which is so huge that we have this exact prayer word for word of what to say so there can be no confusion joseph who was so confused now gives this exact ordinance and then i love in 74 that it outlines it's by immersion and i have this quote by elder harold b lee that says baptism by immersion symbolizes the death and burial of the man of sin and the coming forth from the water, the resurrection of a newness of a spiritual life. Thus does the one baptized receive the promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost or the privilege of being brought back into the presence of one of the Godhead by obedience to whom and through his faithfulness can be blessed and might receive the guidance and direction of the Holy Ghost in his daily walk and talk, even as Adam walked and talked in the Garden of Eden with God and Heavenly Father. To receive such guidance and such direction from the Holy Ghost is to be spiritually reborn. And so I love that it outlines it isn't by sprinkling. It isn't by these other things. The correct way is by immersion. And that's just beautiful. It's not calling out other people's weakness. It's not saying, okay, they don't have the right way. I love that it outlines to the word the things that we are promised, the things that we covenant, the things to say, and how exactly to do that, and the symbolism of that. I love that. Okay, and then you go to verse 77 and 79. We have the exact wording of the sacrament prayers. Again, that is just beautiful that we don't have to wonder what that looks like or what that sounds like, that God outlines that. And we have that for our church right here. How cool is that? And then it says in 81 through 80 through 84, um, how we are taken on record, our names recorded. And God is a God of order and he does all things in order. So when we move, our records go with us and people know we are members of the church. We are covenant members. And it also talks about being blotted out. And I love the thing that I love um, about all of this is one of the things is it outlines the priesthood and this ordinance of baptism. It also outlines different things that these priesthood holders do, like the sacrament. And one of the things that's really cool is it talks about um, no person in verse 65 is to be ordained to any office in this church where there is a regularly organized branch of the same without the vote of the church. 
And so I love, again, that it outlines this. It's by choice, that we are a church of choice and a church of um, liberty. And I have this quote by John Taylor that talks about sustaining in the church. And it says, um, I will ask it at his hand. I will do everything I can. This is once you've sustained someone. I will do everything I can to sustain him. I would not say anything derogatory of his character that is not, if that is not correct, and I have yet to learn. And then if anyone in my present were to speak something about him disparaging of his reputation, I would say, look, are you not a Latter-day Saint? Yes. Did you not hold up your hand to sustain him? Yes. Then why do you not do it? I would call an action of that kind in sustaining him if any man made an attack on his reputation, for all men's reputations are important to them, I would defend him in some way. And that just so touched me because this week <laughs> I had an experience. I was walking with a friend and I was talking about um, my family and kind of sharing some things um, that weren't really personal but were personal in our family and she just said oh that shocks me I would have never guessed and when I came home the thought came that you made a covenant in the temple to never speak guile and I learned once upon a time what that means is against the Lord's anointed and we are all the Lord's anointed when we became covenant children of his and took that covenant of baptism that means we are his anointed so anytime we disparage or we talk negatively of someone else we are not sustaining them and should we not all in the covenant of baptism mourn with those that mourn comfort those who stand in need of comfort we are all children of christ who all are trying to be better trying to become who he needs us to become. And so, as such, that means we sustain each other as members of the church, and we do that by speaking good of other people and holding their names safe. And so I loved how all of this, this covenant of baptism, these priesthood offices, all of this, we are so lucky to have in these this revelation for our church that makes no question all of this led from a little boy who went to the woods knowing how he could make sure his eternal salvation was sound how he could be baptized in what manner by what authority what a gift that we have this revelation this direction for our church and the other thing is how cool is it that we have a prophet and apostles who are led just as Joseph Smith was, and are led in all of them unanimously voting and having to come to an agreement to lead our church. Fifteen men who have so attuned their lives to seeking God's will and his revelation. What a comfort and peace that is to me as we go forward to moving to conference to hear what God has to say to each of us, how blessed we are. I hope you know the church is true, and more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves us.